Welcome to the Swim Swam Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, three-time Olympic champion, three-time world champion. She's got so many accolades, I can't even keep them straight. Uh, but most recently, she is a gold medalist from the Tokyo Olympic Games in women's water polo, setting a new Olympic record for most scores in Olympic play today. We are sitting down with Maggie Steffens. Yay, thanks for having me. Excited to sit down and discuss this with you. I talked to you at the very beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic uh, mm-hmm. on how you were staying fit what you were doing in and out of the water, what you were able to do. What's up since then? (laughs) A lot of things. Wow. I I mean, I can't even think back to the beginning of the pandemic. That feels like ages ago. Um, You know, did a few things here, did a few things there. Um, No, it's been, it's been good. I think these past couple of years have been exhausting to say the least, but because of that, they've been extremely rewarding and, I think since uh, the ending of the games, definitely have had some time to just slowly reflect. It always takes me a bit longer, I think, to like fully relax my body and be able to. But I'm getting there slowly, but but surely. Yeah, yeah, that's great to hear, uh, and and I think we're gonna save that uh, this this digest period for, for, for last, but I I do want to talk about in the months and the weeks leading up to Olympic trials, uh, sorry, to the Olympic games. I'm used to talking to swimmers, uh, leading up to the Olympic games. How are you feeling? Was training going pretty much smoothly, um, as planned in light of, of the pandemic still happening? Yeah, I would say, you know, it was definitely weird to kind of have two, two periods of time where you were fully prepping for the Olympics. So you had 2020 in March where, you know, for our team, that's a really important month for us to kind of get to pretty peak fitness. Um, and then kind of after that, we're able to focus on, you know, more details and, and game situations and whatnot. And so we went through all of that, even the anxiety of prepping for the Olympics and then do it all again a year later um, and, and so that was definitely a little bit interesting for us to kind of repeat that process. But because of that, we have a lot of trust in that process. And especially this being, you know, my third time around, um, I have a lot of trust in our coach and what we need and how he and our other coaches will prepare us. So in that sense, um, you know, everything, everything was had intention and everything had purpose and we we were able to fully buy into that, which was really important leading up to these games because you had to focus on the purpose and intention of everything instead of focus on what might happen in three months. Because as we knew in COVID and still now with the pandemic, you know, you, you can't assume what might happen in the future. So it was nice to have that trust in our coach and in our process. Um, but it definitely looked different than any Olympics um, in the past in terms of preparation. So normally you know, the year before the Olympics, you're able to get a lot of games in, you're able to travel. And 
that's practice. You know, when you get to the Olympics, you're doing a two and a half week tournament that is mentally, emotionally, and physically draining, um, in comparison to a lot of other sports that maybe have one day or it's a week long. Ours is day one and the last day of the Olympics. So being able to practice traveling together and being able to practice game situations and game fitness, um, living together abroad and being on a three week long trip, all of that helps prepare you for the Olympics. And so this, uh, preparation period, because we missed all of that in 2020 and didn't get many games in, didn't get many opportunities to travel, um, instead of just being at home by ourselves, the last two, three months leading up to the games, we had teams coming to us and trying to just get in as many games as possible. So we had Canada come, we had Hungary come, we had Russia come. Um, and we did, you know, we trained with them every day. We scrimmaged with them every day. We did three exhibition games with each one of them. Um, and right before we went to the Olympics, we actually trained with Holland for a week. And so that was definitely different to kind of put a lot of our effort into just gaining that game experience um, and just trying to create mock experiences. For example, our team went to Hawaii for a week just to remember how to travel. Like, it seems so silly, but you do have to practice those things. Like, how do you feel on a plane? And when you get off, being able to jump in the pool and be around your teammates 24 seven, that's important to practice. And so, you know, the preparation of that definitely looked different, but it was clearly what we needed to feel most prepared for, for these games. Um, and then on an individual level, it was definitely different for me. Um, I unfortunately had to be out for about a month, month and a half, just due to injuries. And, you know, that's never fun. You're coming, you're getting ready for the games and all you want to do is just prep, prep, prep and train and be at your peak fitness. And, um, and I had other teammates who were, you know, dealing with their own individual stories as well. So that was different for me to not be able to be in the pool for a little bit of time and sacrifice, you know, saying, Hey, this is the time I need to take to make sure my body's ready for Tokyo in, in two, three months. Um, so being able to have the maturity that maybe I wouldn't have had a, a few years ago to be. Yeah. I, I feel like that's, that's a big deal, uh, to be able to, as an athlete, especially to be able to say, I need to take a step back. Uh, so it sounds like you did that and were able to do it. And obviously it paid off in Tokyo for you. Uh, a couple of questions stemming from what you were just discussing, um, all these exhibition games, all these countries coming to play with with you all. How how did that differ from what normally would have happened of traveling around to 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 get this game experience? Do you feel like do you feel like it was comparable experience? Do you feel like you gained something different than you would have normally uh, from from all that travel? Yeah, I mean, I think what was important for us was to be able to see other teams and not just scrimmage against ourselves. And so I think what was really amazing was we had pretty much an entire year to just ourselves where we only trained our, uh, our bodies, our, our souls, our minds with one another. And at the end of the day, that's going to be some of the best competition you're going to get. Like I have to guard Mel Seidman. I have to guard Aria Fisher. I have to shoot against Ashley Johnson. 
Like that is the highest competition a lot of times that we're going to get. And so that was really what built our team up in terms of our fitness. We probably were the fastest and strongest we've ever been. Um, but it gets to a point where you can't be competing against your teammates for an entire year straight or else we're all going to kill each other. Like, you know, it, it gets heated and that's important because we're all super competitive, but it was important for us to go through that and really kind of focus on our individual toolboxes as well. And then once, you know, the two or three months before the Olympics, when we were able to actually have a bunch of teams come, it kind of felt like we were kids at a candy store, you know, because we had been playing against ourselves for so long and hadn't put that energy towards other teams. And finally we got to have a real game experience. You know, we would try to, in terms of comparable, like we would try to create a game-like experience in terms of scrimmaging one another um, or, you know, doing competitions in the pool, but there's nothing that compares to playing another team and playing in a semifinal or the emotions that come up with that. Right. So that definitely was hard to fully mimic, but we did our best. And so once the other teams did come, it was nice to just remember um, how it feels to play a real game, the anxiety, the excitement, the adrenaline, um, you know, after a game, not being able to sleep because you're thinking about all the plays you could have done better, you know? So um, although it was different and in the past, you know, we would have been able to travel abroad a lot more and been to more tournaments. Um, I think we did a good job of trying to mimic, you know, game-like situations as much as possible. And, you know, clearly it works because we, we had a good tournament. Uh, we had ups and downs in our Olympics, but that's part of our journey. And, um, you know, I think just the way we prepared was, was what our team needed for this unique journey of an experience yeah and so like you said it seemed to to mirror the oddity of the last 18 months as yeah, a whole. Yeah. um you said that you said there were ups and downs mm-hmm. at, at your olympic experience uh so let's let's get to this tournament i mean y- you all seemed pretty dominant uh throughout the whole whole tournament you had one loss in yeah. in, the, in the qualifying uh, games, but, uh, and it was, that was an exceedingly close game, but then a lot of the other games, I don't want to call them blowouts, but you won by a lot. Uh, so, but that's, that's just from the outside perspective. It's, you know, there's always a lot going on behind, behind the veil. Uh, take me through those first few games for, for the team and and what they were like. And from a personal standpoint, how you thought they went. Yeah, uh, it was really fun to start off with Japan in Japan. You know, ideally there would have been tons of fans there because it's always fun to play a country in their home. Um, and, you know, there's that added energy that they have from their fans, their their family representing their country on their home soil. But even though there wasn't, you know, the fans there necessarily for that, you still feel the energy of playing the host country. And so I think that was really good for us to start off with Japan because we came out with a lot of energy, a lot of excitement. And similarly, what I was saying earlier, we were, you know, just excited kids in a candy store, like can't wait to play. Finally, the Olympics are here. We've been waiting so long. Um, 
but I will say definitely like it's important to realize too, and this I'm sure was happening with a lot of other athletes and teams um, because the Olympics had this deeper meaning to it, right. With the resilience and inspiration and also had this uh, longer wait for it. Mm. It also created a bit more of pressure and a bit more of, Oh my gosh, they're finally here. You know, I put an extra year and a half into this. We need to make it the best we can. And so I think, um, as I'm sure a lot of other athletes have talked about and you've heard about this, um, you know, even during the games, I think there was some added weight to this games and it was a hard balance of using that weight in a positive way and using it as motivation and excitement. And, you know, as Olympians, you want to thrive in adversity, you know, you want to see a challenge and say, all right, let's do it. Let's enjoy it. Um, but that's not easy to do. And at times it can be more of a burden, right? So um, I would say that our team was feeling that as well, especially being a favorite. And I think we played like that a bit in our, our hunger game, which was our third game. And even against China, we were a bit tight. Um, and I know we weren't playing in at least the first few games. Um, we weren't as a team collectively playing the way we knew we could and not playing as freely as, you know, you want to play at the Olympics. And so I think honestly that loss against Hungary was a good reminder to us of, all right, it's not about playing perfect, right? It's not about doing the right thing at all times. It's just about, as our coach told us, just try to make the right play, you know, and enjoy the challenge, enjoy this opportunity. Um, and that kind of can allow you to play more freely as a group. And I think having that game allowed us to open up some conversations about that as well and reflect a bit on, all right, who do we want to be? Who is our team? What is our identity? Let's bring that to the Olympics, you know? Let's bring our character of our team and who we can be to the Olympics. And I think from that point forward, you really saw who our team was and how much fun we have together uh, and how much fun we can have playing, playing the sport we love. So, so let's take a step back to give this a little more context. U.S. women's water polo, undefeated for, I mean, nearly the last decade aside from the World <laughs> League in 2013. Is that accurate? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so you've got three Olympic golds, three World Champ golds, three Pan American golds, three World Cup golds. I mean, so, I mean, it's, it's um, I, all that to say that, that the, the U.S. women have, have built this juggernaut and kept it going and kept it very dominant, um, for, for over a decade now. But, but what, what I, I wouldn't think about what I'm guessing a lot of fans don't think about is that for a lot of these, for a lot of your teammates on this 2020 Olympic team, it's probably their first Olympics, right? This is probably their first time representing this juggernaut, uh, on, on that stage. And with it comes a lot of pressure as you alluded to, um, of, of continuing this insane legacy. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so yeah, you, you have this loss to Hungary and as you said, it kind of opened the door for opportunity of gathering that identity of really figuring out, okay, who, who, who are we, what do we want to do here? I'm, I'm guessing after that, a, a bit of pressure was taken off. It's like, we don't have to, I'm guessing the feeling of, we don't have to be perfect yeah. was lifted from that. Yeah. I mean, at that point you lost, right? So <laughs> thankfully it was in the bracket round where it, I mean, it matters, but not really because you're still going to advance into uh, the quarters. 
So, you know, thankfully we lost early, right? If we had lost in the quarter semis or finals, like you're done. So we were able to take it as a learning experience and we chose kind of like what you're hinting at. We chose as a team to make it the best thing possible for us as a team. Um, you know, you can't just say, Hey, like we lost, that's the best thing that could happen to us. Right. Like you don't know the future, but instead we said, all right, we have a choice to make it the best thing that happened to us this Olympics. And we did, we, we took that choice and, um, you know, it isn't, it's not easy to, to join this team for sure because of the legacy that our alumni have created and the program itself, but that makes it really fun, right? Pressure is a privilege. It means you've done something right and you get an opportunity to keep, you know, pushing that boundary. And we definitely were feeling that. I think um, hopefully as a veteran, I was trying to take pressure off of people and, um, you know, Mel Seidemann, one thing she kept saying to all of us that, you know, some of our leaders during our first Olympics would tell us is, hey, it's just a water polo game. Still is water polo, you know, it's a 25 meter pool. It's the same water polo ball. It's the same, you know, whistles. So at the end of the day, we're just playing the sport we've been training to do our whole lives. And, um, you know, definitely that loss probably took some, <laughs> took some of that pressure to be perfect off. Um, but it definitely motivated us and reminded us, all right, mm -mm, that's not, that's not who we are. You know, let's, let's get back to, to our identity and our character. Yeah. Taking, taking a step outside of the pool, you know, this was your third Olympics again. What, what was the atmosphere like of just being at the games but obviously still in this COVID pandemic for you compared to uh, Rio and London? Yeah, the atmosphere was, you know, it's similar with what I was saying. It's just a water polo game. It's still the Olympics. You know, you, you still have the village. You still get on the bus and go to and from uh, the, the pool. You still see all of the other athletes in the dining hall. Um, the, the main difference was just you're wearing a mask. And you probably stayed a bit more to your bubbles than you did in the past. You know, sometimes you would see people from other sports or friends from college and maybe you eat lunch with them one day. Um, this Olympics, you know, I, I feel like most teens and countries probably stuck to their respective groups a bit more than normal. Um, and then obviously no, no fans, friends and family weren't there. And that was unique in and of itself. But to be honest, you know, during our preparation for the Olympics, you, you're also working on your, your mindfulness and your mental training. And one thing we, we talked about was just adjusting and accepting things for, for what they are. And then you make the most of it. And so it, it didn't really during the Olympics, I wasn't like, Oh, this is weird. This is different. I can't believe there's no fans or we're all wearing masks or we have to you know, spit into a tube every single morning uh, <laughs> to do a COVID test and I have saliva like all over me, you know, it just was normal. And you said, all right, this is what we do. That's it. You know, you don't question it. You're not like, oh, I wish it was this or it could have been this. Like there's no coulda, shoulda, woulda at the Olympics during this time. <laughs> it's just, it is what it is. And that's, that's mental training, right? And being able to just notice what's going on, accept it and say, Hey, this is the reality of the situation. And that's what it is. So, um, every Olympics I've, I've said this before, every Olympics is unique, no matter what, 
Rio for me was a lot different than London. London was a lot different from uh, Tokyo and not just because of COVID or quarantine or whatever it was, just because each Olympics has its own character. It has uh, its own uniqueness to it, you know, to that country, to that city, uh, to the way, to the team, the mock-up, the group of people you're with. So as much as it was different and the atmosphere maybe was a little bit different in a way, it just was normal to me because we had been prepping for that for so long and just accepted it. Um, maybe in like two months, I'm going to be like, that was so weird or that was so cool. But right now I'm just kind of like, that's just what it was, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That, it it uh, makes total sense that, that each Olympic experience would be completely unique. Um, I don't think about that. I just, I just think about, well, it's an Olympics. But, yeah. uh, but obviously I'm not there and that's, that's the <laughs> difference. Uh, yeah. so, so heading back into the tournament, um, you go into the final, how, how are you feeling after, after, after the loss to Hungary, the, the group play ends, you make it to the final. Um, again, it's your third final. A, a lot of the team probably it's your, it's their first, um, what was the vibe like? Uh, definitely, you know, kind of all over, you know, people were nervous, excited, like can't wait, um, confident, you know, we, we really trust, like I mentioned earlier, we trusted our process. And I think that we felt, you know, definitely nervous because you want to play well. And I, I get nervous before every game. So I think if people, mm-hmm. some people get nervous, some people don't, and that's totally normal. Um, I'm not shy to admit that I get nervous before games. It, you know, it's part of my prep. It's part of my game prep. It kind of gives me that little extra juice I need. Um, but I think as a team, we were, we felt ready and we were determined. We were, um, we felt like we had been through a lot to get to that point. And so we felt very strong in our resilience and in our unity. And, um, before the game, you know, there's the call room and, um, you're actually sitting in the same room as the other team. And I just remember our team felt very connected and we were kind of joking around with each other with, you know, some team inside jokes that we've had during these Olympics. And so it was kind of a nice way to release the tension uh, right before the game and reconnect and, and remember like, all right, gold medal game, it's time to go have fun. And I think the world was able to see the strength our team has and the balance and the unity from every single person um, and the total team package that, that we were. I, I love that expression, gold medal game, time to go have fun. Yeah. Not, 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 not time to compete or lock down or focus in. It's like, it's time to have oh, fun. The hard part was over, you know, like getting <laughs> to the gold medal game is the hardest part. It's like climbing a mountain, climbing a mountain is the hardest part. And then once you get to the top, you're supposed to enjoy it. Like check out the view, eat your sandwich, whatever it is. <laughs> um, you know, that's that's the time that you can really just soak it in and, and enjoy it. Yeah. It's, okay, I have to ask, in water polo, uh, does the coach yell things at you during the game? Yeah. From the side yeah. of the pool? Yeah. Okay. Was that amplified like tenfold because there weren't fans <laughs> i know um probably because normally it's really really hard to hear the coach and okay you know we have a good balance um especially like me and, and adam our head coach have a good 
relationship and what, um, you know, we've been playing together for so long, I can kind of read his mind and be able to be that vocal voice in the, in the water. That's a huge part of my role as a leader is being the communicator, um, in the pool. And it made it a lot easier for sure, because I could hear him and we could all be able to be on the same page in that way. Um, because normally, you know, sometimes you can't hear him. The team can't hear me. I can't hear Ashley Johnson behind me. Um, so it definitely was easier to hear each other, but I didn't really think about that in the moment. I just was like, oh, okay, this is, we're going, we're flowing. Yeah. I, yeah. As soon as you said no fans, it's like, wait, I know swim coaches yell, but yeah. they just yell like go or like kick. Yeah. <laughs> Our, you know, in water polo, the coach is probably going to be yelling a bit more tactical things or, right. you know, trying to talk to the refs and figure out why there was a certain call or um, vision, you know, from, from the deck, you can see everything. And from the pool, you're, you're doing a million different things. So sometimes it's nice to just have that other perspective, um, from the bench, even from your teammates, uh, or the coach who's, you know, right there on the side of the pool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you've, you've been with, how long have you been with this coach? Um, I mean, has he been there for your, for your whole career or yeah, this- so I joined the team in like the fall of 2009, my first summer being 2010. So since Same. then, <laughs> long wow. time. Yeah. So, so obviously you guys have had some ups and downs, well, just mm-hmm. a, a long ride together. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, how, how does that, how does that relationship build and, and how does it get maybe easier or how does it change as in, you know, into your 11th season, um, as, right. opposed to the, as opposed to the, yeah. yeah, I think what's really, um, really amazing and honestly beautiful about our head coach is he's been able to create this level of respect and love and trust. Kind of like what I was talking about earlier, that foundation of a team, respect, trust, and love. And he's been able to do that as a head coach with each one of us on an individual level as well. And so, um, you know, I have a lot of love, I have a lot of trust and I have a lot of respect for Adam. And it's been, it's been amazing to have that foundation and base through, through my maturity, right? Like I came on as a little 15 year old. And so a 15 year old versus a 28 year old is very different. And so I've gone through a lot of stages of my life and that means I'm on 15, not really knowing what's going on. Um, you know, and, and the youngest on the team to then being captain and having, uh, you know, a lot more conversations with him as a, as a captain, right. And being able to voice for the team and figure out what our team needs um, and communicating that with him to then, you know, similarly being captain of this squad, but now just being older and being in a new stage of life and um, not being the little kid I used to be. And so I think for him, as he's done with, uh, you know, a lot of players in the past is it's interesting for him too to, how do I, you know, navigate these relationships when he or she was just a young 15 year old and now she's an adult, kind of, kind of an adult, you know? And so I I think that that it's so important to have that base of trust, love and respect so that you can navigate, you know, those relationships as you grow together. And that's been, you know, definitely had a a lot of ups 
definitely a lot more ups and downs, but definitely have had, you know, our tough conversations we've needed to have it. And that's made our relationship even stronger. So I'm super, super fortunate. He's easily probably one of the best coaches out there, not just in water polo, but in sport. Um, but his character is, is even stronger. That's, that's always heartwarming to hear. Uh, yeah. And, and really, really great that you get to have, you get, you get to experience someone for, you know, your entire career on the national team in that way. That's, yeah. um, that's not, not everyone's athletic experience. And so super cool, but yeah. let's, let's get to your accolades. Okay. Uh, now, now that we've got the hard stuff over, um, you broke an Olympic record for most goals scored. At, at the Olympic games in women's water polo. Uh, was that something you had in mind coming into this games at all? No, not <laughs> at all. I honestly didn't even know that that was like up for debate or not debate, <laughs> but like up for the taking until I was asked about it maybe a month before the games. Like I was doing an interview and somebody asked me um, about it. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I think that just shows where all of our team's mind was at and always is at is at the end of the day, you know, our team mission is to be at the top of the podium at the end of the day. And my job as a teammate and kind of how I've always approached my role on this team and it's changed throughout my, my years is what does the team need from me to be successful? Does that mean being on the bench and not playing any minutes? Like I'm going to be the number one bench supporter, right? Like, does that mean guarding two meters and going up and down two to two for the whole game? Like count me in. Does that mean scoring goals this game? Like I'm going to step up and try to score those goals for the team. So, you know, it's, it's, what does the team need from me that game? And that's really how our whole team approaches it. You know, you have Mackenzie Fisher, who I think had a fantastic Olympic games and she was able to read out, all right, what does the team need from me to be successful? That's the role I'm going to fill. Right. And, um, you know, for this Olympics, I think I was in the right place at the right time for a few of those moments and, um, you know, was able to become the highest scorer of the Olympics, which is amazing. And it, and it truly is an honor. Um, it's, it's hard to talk about because we just thought something as a team, and even part of our character, it doesn't really, that's not what's most important to us. Um, but definitely feel proud of it and proud to be, you know, a U.S. woman at the top. I think it just speaks to the women I've been able to play with. You know, you can't score goals if you don't have people making stops on defense and you don't have people reading the game and you don't have people driving through like Rachel Fatal and opening up a shooting lane or somebody hitting you for a great assist. So you know, I can't even have my name up there if I didn't have such amazing teammates for 13 years. You know, it's not just one quad. I have good teammates. I have had amazing women that I've been able to play with. And so in a way, um, it's, it's nice to have USA at top because it just speaks to the legacy of women that we've had in our program. So humble. <laughs> but but that that it's it's great to hear that team perspective especially when it is a team sport right and at the end yeah. of the day that's kind of what will count um and and on that note uh you know you're you're back home now as you said you've had a couple weeks to just kind of digest everything and let it mm -hmm. sit and process and what's come up for you um after winning this third olympic title 
and so many different things. I don't even know if I'll be able to express it. I, I honestly think I'm still reflecting. It's, it's hard after the Olympics, you know, it's, it's not easy. And there are days that I'm super happy and I think about winning and I'm like, Oh my gosh, we did that. Right. And then there are other days that I'm like, where are my teammates? You know what, like what's going on? We won, like the Olympics are over, you know? So you definitely go through roller coasters. And I think it's, it's, there's just this recent post on Instagram um, about like dear Olympian, it was this letter. And I, I think it's so important to, for anybody who hasn't read that letter um, or what she wrote, it's, it's really important to read that and, and make it more normal because after the Olympics, it's like, people think, Oh, you won gold. Like you just must be perfect, you know? And, and as much as uh, it is amazing and definitely I am like on a high most of the time because you're on a high, you're going to hit some lows and you're, you're going to be trying to adapt to, life post the Olympics. And what does that look like mentally, emotionally, physically? And so um, I'm really excited personally to go on vacation just to be, just to be able to like sit with myself and sit with my mind and get my journal out and really reflect. Whereas once I'm home, I feel like I'm just running around all the time or sleeping because I'm just so exhausted from these past five years. And you finally get to kind of catch up on that. So, um, definitely looking forward to a vacation and just being out in nature, honestly, and being able to reflect and allow myself to just fully accept what's happened and love that, you know, all the parts of it, the good and the bad. Um, but it's definitely been, been amazing. Um, you know, so, so nice to share the gold medal. I always let people, I, I know our whole team, like we always let people hold it and wear it. And everyone's like, what? You're letting me hold your Olympic medal. I can wear your Olympic medal. I'm like, Olympic medals are meant to be shared. How are we supposed to inspire people if we just keep it to ourselves? So um, that's always my favorite part is, you know, yesterday I saw this little three-year-old boy and he was so nervous. His name was Bradley. <laughs> he was so cute. He was so nervous to, to like talk to me. And um, I let him put on the medal and he just was like staring at it. Still too nervous to talk to me, but it was so cute to, you know, hopefully in, 10 years, he can look back at a photo and be like, well, I, I was wearing an Olympic medal. Like maybe I want that. Like I can do it, you know? So being able to pass it forward is really important to us. That's adorable. <laughs> Just picturing that is like, that's so great. Um, well, Maggie, thank you so much for taking the time today to sit down and, and share your insight and experience of this of third Olympic games for you. Any parting thoughts for our audience before we sign off today? Um, I would definitely read that letter because I think it is important for people to understand that. Um, and I'm happy to talk about it more moving forward. And then second, like, you know, I think if this Olympics showed anybody anything, it's, it's the value and importance of teamwork and what you can do when you have a team. And any challenge, adversity that comes your way, you know, it's even that much more powerful when you're able to share it with people you trust, love, and respect. So um, I'm very grateful for the teams, not just the people in caps, you know, my family, the team behind the team with, you know, Team USA and USA Water Polo, my doctors, like everyone. And, you know, for those of you who are dreaming big and, you know, have a lot of, of goals that you want to reach, um, don't be shy to share those with other people because it's powerful when you, when you get to do it with a group.
You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.